Jelly Trumpet, rearrange part two. I wonder where this road in the middle of the jungle will take us. Uh, I'm writing a new script, Mr B. I, d- I didn't write the bit with an axe-wielding red, red riding hood. I, s- I, should- I certainly should have edited that line. Too much explanation for the sound effect. Well, that's a relief. Oh, hey, Nichelle. What? Nichelle, which way did he go? It's all right. He's still on top of C-Mac, and I've set C-Mac to find the podcast at top speed. He'll be fine unless... What? Unless he gets knocked off by a low-hanging branch. Quick, we'll have to carry him. Put him over my shoulder. There you go. She's gaining. She's gaining. She's gaining. Through here. Oh, my God. I don't believe it. Wonderful. C-Mac, play tape. Interview countdown. So welcome to the latest edition of Jelly Trumpet. And we have a very special guest with us today, Peter Friedman of Thinking, where he is the director of Thinking. So welcome, Peter. Thank you. Now, let's kick off and see if we can get 12 questions in 12 minutes and unlock the bonus question. So first of all, what is your business? Well, I'm often accused of talking too slowly. So in order to fit into the 12 minutes, I do my best to do so. I'm going to talk faster than usual. So my business, as you said, is called Thinking. It's a creative PR and guerrilla and viral marketing agency, uh, mainly for startups. I work for startups in the UK and the US and beyond. And a slightly longer, more official answer is that I help uh, startups and scale-ups and challenger brands grow faster and get more buzz for their PR and marketing buck by winning them global attention with quirky ideas that spread virally and make the world smile. Cool. Thank you for that. This is one of my favourite questions to ask. Question two, who is your creative hero or heroine? Well, I have what might be a surprise answer and nomination, which is Winston Churchill. On the basis that he allegedly said after... uh, British um, military expedition and forces were cornered at Dunkirk and when the British army had retreated in chaos from the German forces surrounding them and they had to leave all their weapons on the beach in France and just escape with their lives, he allegedly said, we have no money, we shall have to think. Uh, that quote has also been attributed to other people, but I, for, I like to think it was uh, him who said it. And what I like about that is it's a big part of the philosophy of what I do. What thinking does is that you don't need a zillion dollars to win attention. What you need is a good idea. And to get a good idea, you need to think. I have much uh, longer answer to that question, but I don't think I have time to give it to you. No, you, you, no, you don't, because we're sticking to our 12 minutes. That's what okay. we're going to do. So we're going to yeah. steadily move on to a question three, which is how do you go, go about starting a project? Well, first of all, I take a brief from the client and I do that by asking them a series of questions, sometimes or in person or in a video call or uh, often a mixture of a video call and by email, ask them a series of questions about their objectives, what they want to achieve, their target audiences and target media and key messages, 
what will count as success and their tolerance and appetite for lighthearted and silly ideas, whether that's their type of thing or not. And then when I, so I really have to educate myself about what they want and their, what they're trying to achieve. And then the next thing is I will compile lots of information, uh, usually get a researcher to do this, about uh, the company, about the subject area, about everything I need to know about um, what they do. And yeah, so I compile lots of information, like putting meat into the meat grinder. So I need to educate myself about what they're mm. doing. And then I need to, the next stage is I need to manipulate this information in order to create funny and amusing ideas or what I hope are funny and amusing ideas. Cool, cool. That sounds very organized. Now, to what degree then, when you've done that, do you map out a project or do you just start and finish? Well, I wouldn't say I map it out precisely, but I do try to think about it in a structured way and to apply a process. So as I say, first by compiling the type of information that I need to consume and internalize and absorb by way of research and educating myself and my team, and then trying to use certain recurring and set techniques to manipulate and subvert this information to kind of turn it upside down and inside out. Um, you can't make it a total science, but it is a mix of art and science. Um, how do you know when that project is finished? Well, I have a short but thankfully boring answer, which is when the contract ends. <laughs> That's a simple answer. We're roaring ahead. Thank you, Peter. This one's a bit more, um, I like this question because I'm always interested in how other people react to it. What's the best thing someone has said to you that kept you going when it was a struggle? Uh, I can't think of any one thing that people have said, but I can think of some inspiring things that I've read that have helped. And there are often things on the subject of failure and why it's not just okay to fail, but it's important to fail at least a certain amount. And I send out a sort of super short email newsletter that's grandly called creativity thought of the week. And, and I like some of the creativity thoughts or quotes on the subject of failure. I, I remember reading once that uh, somebody wrote that every, uh, they wrote about uh, Steve Ross, who was the chairman of Warner Communications uh, during MTV's early years. And they wrote, every idea was okay. Steve Ross had a wonderful philosophy that people got fired for not making mistakes. I like that amused me. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a good quote of Woody Allen who said, if you're not failing every now and then, it's a sign you're not doing anything very in innovative. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there was a research showing that learning is optimized when we fail 15% of the time. If you're always scoring 100%, you're probably not learning anything new. And so the, the sweet spot is, uh, is failing at least 15% of the time. Now, we're on, we're on to questions. Go on, but, uh, I don't want to exceed my I know. Well, we'll, we'll pick up on that on the bonus, on the bonus yeah. uh, track. So what, uh, are you honest with yourself? Uh, I don't know. I try to be, but I also, I think it's really important to trust your gut and your subconscious, but I don't, and some people say you should only trust your gut and subconscious, but I think your subconscious is really important and a powerful tool, but I also very much rely on 
and actively ask for the opinions and feedback of other people, of colleagues, family, friends, people, you know, people who are PR people, journalists. Uh, I try and ask people of different ages and genders and sometimes different nationalities. So asking other people what they think of ideas is a very important part of the process and getting their feedback and comments. So uh, that slightly lessens the risk of that I'm deluding myself or being dishonest with myself. But I suppose if I was being dishonest myself, I probably wouldn't know anyway. So no, you wouldn't tell yourself, would you? It's <laughs> impossible. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, it's like that question: Why is there only one monopolies commission? It's a circular, circular question, which is impossible to answer. I like that one too. Now, what is the proudest you've been of one of your ideas? And I know you've had many great ones, but um, what's the proudest? Is yeah. there one? Well. <laughs> I used to say that I had two uh, hidden objectives when I was working for a client. One was to get coverage in the North Korea Times because that was sort of the uh, kind of PR marketing equivalent of hitting a six or a home run in baseball. And the other one is to crash the website of the client. And I, I've achieved both of those a few times, but I have sort of over the years developed a specialty without originally intending it of, of creating ideas that spread virally around the globe, silly ideas, and, and often achieve both of those things at once. I generated, I, I produced and uh, gave myself the title of screenwriter on an eight hour slow motion movie about sheep standing in a field doing nothing. It was called uh, Baba Land, and it, as in La La Land, and it was billed as the dullest movie ever made and the ultimate insomnia cure. And it went viral in Bulgaria and Kazakhstan and Vietnam and all sorts of other countries. And it was the million pound or million zloty question on the Polish edition of who wants to be a millionaire. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. They had to answer a question about uh, viewers of the film Barbaland had to spend eight hours watching what in order to win a million zlotys in Poland. So I enjoyed Great that. Idea. That's a lovely idea. Now, what's your next project? My next project is classified and top secret, and I obviously have to kill you, but I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to write a short book about the work I did for Calm, the sleep and meditation app, and how it got a ton of coverage and buzz, even when it didn't have a ton of money or much money at all. It kind of outthought and outmarketed its much better funded rivals by coming up well, in multiple ways, in lots of ways, but one of the one of the 20 or so different secrets of, of how it did this was by coming up with fun and amusing ideas. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I've written a long, I've written a 5,000 word blog post on this, which is on the Thinking website, but I want to expand that into a short book as well. Oh, great. I look forward to that very much. Should creativity be taught as a skill in school? Oh, I think it definitely should. It's one of many things that should be taught in school, including emotional intelligence and financial literacy. And uh, But I think it should be taught for lots of reasons or several reasons. It's life enhancing and it's uh, life enriching and it's fun. And But it's also economically valuable. And it's one of the things that in an ever more competitive world, Britain happens to be good at and to excel at and needs to do more of. 
this we not once led the industrial revolution but nowadays we often lead the creative industries and we need to develop that skill and also another reason that machines and robots and artificial intelligence will probably eventually learn to be as creative as humans especially if and when ai achieves what's known as artificial general intelligence and becomes as or more intelligent than humans but so far and for a while yet i think humans are still more creative than machines and long after many other jobs have been automated i think creativity will still be something that we can do better than machines i agree Absolutely. i mean in a sense creativity is already taught in schools but in reverse schools teach you how to be less creative and how to stamp creativity out of you yeah so uh, they have to do the opposite hmm. i agree i agree totally with that so this moves us on to this question if a 10 year old asked you what one thing would make me more creative what would you reply i have two two answers to that which i'll try and fit into the time available first of all i like the advice of someone called stephen jay gould the late great american uh, paleontologist and evolutionary biologist and writer and he said uh the trick to creativity if there is a single useful thing to say about it is to identify your own peculiar talent and then to settle down to work with it for a good long time so i i think that's good advice i don't know when i was a 10 year old i used to read a lot of joke books and i used to le uh listen to uh, um cassette tapes of comedians stand-up comedians and i remember in the car with my parents and i didn't realize it at the time but i think that reading lots of jokes and listening to comedians was a big help in being mm, creative mm, mm. and so i would advise them to spend lots of time on youtube uh, well reading lots of joke books and spend lots of time on youtube watching lots of comedians because I, I think there's a very uh, close and not widely enough recognized link between creativity and humor so I think steeping themselves in comedy will not only be fun and amusing and make them laugh, but also will foster their creativity as well. I agree absolutely with that. That's one of my things that I enjoy about comedy and it has helped me with my creativity a great deal. Now, question 12, before we move on to the bonus question, because you've unlocked that, because you've been brief and to the point. Now, 12 is how can a listener get in touch with you, Peter? Well, they can either find my website, which is think-inc.co.uk, or they can search for me on LinkedIn. Uh, and my name is Peter Friedman, which is spelled F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N. So if you search for Peter Friedman and then Think Inc on LinkedIn, that might be the easiest way to find me. But either of those two, uh, two methods. Cool. Excellent. So your bonus question, Peter, that you have chosen to be asked. Which three things or more help you to be help, help you most to be creative? I would say uh, three things are probably sleeping, which is a particular skill of mine, sleeping, <laughs> wa sleeping, walking, and probably making a cup of tea or coffee. Uh, the philosopher Nietzsche said that all truly great thoughts are conceived while walking, which, and I do find walking is a really helpful way to yeah. come up with ideas. And whereas uh, the great French writer Proust said that sleep is the only source of invention. So I think there's a great debate to be had about whether sleep or walking are more important to creativity, but I, I think they're both very important. And I think that, uh, 
you know, anecdotal evidence suggests that most people have their best ideas when they're not actively positive, consciously thinking about the, the subject at hand. They have them often when they're going for a walk, when they're walking, or when they're just waking up or about waking up from sleep or about to fall asleep. So, um, yeah, so I think sleeping and walking definitely help. I think making a cup of tea, even more than drinking a cup of tea or coffee, when I'm actually, I often have ideas when the kettle's boiling, which again is an example of um, anecdotal evidence suggesting that you know people have their best ideas when they're not thinking about it. And if I was allowed a fourth thing, then it would maybe be time. Uh, I mean, and it's sort of paradoxical here because it can be really useful to have lots of time to think about something. Isaac Newton said when he was asked how he came up, discovered the law of gravity, he answered, I thought about it all the time, which I thought was a very good answer. But also then Leonard Bernstein said that uh, the composer of West Side Story and many other things, he said that one of the secrets of coming up with good ideas or great ideas was having not quite enough time. Which and I, I think there's paradoxically a lot of truth in both of those. Mm, great, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, other things I think just traveling abroad and novelty and doing new and different things and just not being in a rut are all things that help. Oh, good, very useful and and original. We no one's um, answered that before. So um, that was Peter Friedman of Think Inc. Thank you very much, Peter, for your interview. Thank you very much for having me on Jelly Trumpet. How did that get here? Who knows? Oh, Nigel must be better. I'll put him down. What is a two-masted British Navy brig doing in the middle of an island? Hang on. I didn't write this either. Worrying. Well, strange things happen in podcasts all the time, you know. Oh, yes, they do. I wonder what will happen now. Being attacked by an axe. I'm sure I didn't write this. Hang on, maybe the axe is on the next page. Run, you idiots! Nigel! Mr. Jim! Run to the ship! Mr. B, would the orange button help us at this point in the show? Uh, well, no. We'd better get on that old ship and hide. Good idea. C-Mac, run next feature. Challenge Jim! Each episode, we challenge Jim with a creative exercise. I'm ready. Okay, the challenge this episode, Mr. Jim, is you have one minute to rearrange three classic fairy tales into a new fairy tale. Three, but, two, but, one, go! Uh, okay, okay. I We're up. Know. Do I know three fairy... Uh, Sleeping Beauty, the Emperor's uh, clothes, new clothes... And uh, what was the third one? Oh, Beauty and no, yeah, Beauty and the Beast. So Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast, all uh, and new clothes. So uh, Gucci and the Beast, Gucci and the Beast meets Sleeping Beauty. Only she's not really sleeping; she's sleepwalking, and she's a ninja, very dangerous. Trying with to twin cats. well, could have twin cats. Yeah, that's that's possible. But she's armed. Okay, so she's armed with twin cats, a laser, and some confetti. But you never know whether you're going to meet her and go to a wedding or have a, a leg burnt off. And so the emperor, in his Gucci verbal. clothes, or a verbal, um, wants just to be near her because he's in love, because she's very beautiful and very lovely. Ten seconds. Um, and so he shows off his beast. Mm. No, he's the beast, and he's a squirrel, and he's a giant squirrel. Five, That's like night, four, isn't it? Three. Okay, two, so um, it's one. a very short fairy tale. 
Tony's Word of the Episode. Sharon. Tony's Word of the Episode. Tony's Word of the Episode. Propaganda. Propaganda. Thank you, Tony. The definition of which is politely looking at geese. Are you sure, Jim? No. Are you sure about this feature? Oh, Nigel likes the coconuts. Tony's Word of the Episode. Tony's Word of the Episode. See the name of the ship, HMS Sappho. Mm, I did notice that, Mr. B. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Captain. Perhaps the uh, captain doesn't understand our form of English. A sound theory, Mr. Jim. What do you suggest? I shall talk to him in a relevant dialect. Go on. Ah, oi, oi, Captain, we are be marooned. What's the curse of the podcast? Ah, we be mateys. Ah, I think he's got the message. Ah. There be danger, a girl all in red, <laughs> throwing axes at us. We seek sanctuary, Captain. <laughs> Garçon Trump! Can you... <laughs> I'm terribly sorry, chap. I don't understand a word you're saying. Ah. Oh. This is awkward. It would appear, good sir, that we are being chased by a girl in red with an axe and wondered if we can stay here for a short while at your convenience. What's your lobster's name? Shh, Mr B. Is it Sharon? Why have you a lobster on your shoulder? It's a lovely lobster, Captain. Beautiful, yes, a, a beautiful uh, boy. This is Louis. Ah. I've always loved crustaceans and have no longer troubled by sea urchins. Just curious, Captain, but um, wouldn't a parrot be more... um? Enough. You're in my imagination now. Like I said, awkward. Um... I said enough. You're disturbing my ship, my peace, my pipe. There, there, Louis. I shall make the noisy interlopers pay for this. Guards! What the? Blimey. Quel animal mignon. Yes, Your Majesty. What cute uh, animals. Bosun poo. Aye, Captain. Take these interlopers below and put them in irons. Do we have to? Let's do it. What are these? Well, Your Majesty... They are characters from a children's story called Winnie the Pooh and... I think you should come this way. Oh, they are so adorable. So little. Move, move, move. Who are they? That's Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore the Donkey and Tigger the Tiger. Oh, they will be easy to defeat. Where's Nigel? Yes, where's Nigel? Wait, my good bear, we... C-Mac, run audio. Tales from Jim's Medicine Journal. In this episode of my creative journal writing, I'm going back to something very simple. When I started writing my medicine journal, I would record everything that had a bearing on my writing. Things like going for a walk when feeling stuck on something I was writing, going and seeing friends or family when really stuck. I even recorded which music I was listening to when feeling peak creative. For years, it was one particular track and the rest of the album that followed. That track was Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. You know the one I mean? The violins kick in, and I'm on another plane of consciousness. That track gave me power in my writing. It builds the lilting voice, the simple beat. Anyway, for years, and I mean years, I would play that track and off I'd go. Strange. Then it ran out of energy for me. I still love the album, but I found another track that stilled my mind and built energy in my belly. Holiday by Green Day. And now, 
Well, now it can be anything or even no music. So keep a record of the simple things that work for you in your creative work. Use them to be the best you can be. Remember that this will change. Well, this is slightly ridiculous. Where did Nigel go? Locked up by a trio of cute animals. This wouldn't happen in the Aquitaine. To be fair, Your Majesty, nor would you have a giant squirrel as your best friend. Oh, vrai. I didn't know a podcast could do these things until Jim showed me to the scripts. But I didn't write this bit, Mr B. Peglick said something curious, didn't he? You mean about not being troubled by sea urchins? Do you think Jilly Trumpet has become uh, self-aware? Hmm, lobsters eat sea urchins, Mr B. No, of course not. Wait. Yes. Oh. You mean the podcast is writing itself? Uh, yes. Yes. Mr Jim? Yes? If you didn't write us being locked up by a fictional anthropomorphic teddy bear, a gloomy donkey and a hyper-tiger, then we're stuffed. Well, technically, they're the ones that are stuffed. Wait. He said you are in my imagination now. What if Jelly Trumpet can enter people's imagination without them knowing? Is that possible? No. Therefore, we have no plot and no answer to being locked up by three stuffed toys. Well, that would appear to be correct, Mr B. I see. Then we will work something out. Of course! We'll uh, work something out. In the meantime, uh, could you use your radio, Mr B, and tell C-Mac to run the tape? On the radio? Right. C-Mac, run the start-up. Our micro-sitcom, The Start-Up, part two. Mary the Entrepreneur is in a village hall, talking to a video director about the shooting of a video to promote her new brand of baby makeup. Baby maker! The lady gangster is waving a gun. Oh, no firearms. She's waving uh, a baguette. And she shouts, this is a robbery. Any of you Labradoring uh, bunnies move and I'll execute every mother Labradoring last one of you. Then we cut to two guys in black suits in a car eating uh, large veggie burgers with a baby-wearing blusher. Go on. Then we cut to, we'll call it Pulp Baby. Perfect. Then we see a boxer with a baby under each arm and they're dancing um, the twist. Lots of shots of babies with eyeshadow. Then the babies get in the mess and the wolf arrives to sort them out. A wolf? Mr Wolf, a fixer. He's famous for fixing. He's uh, the coolest makeup man in the world and he fixes all the crying babies in the blink of a smoky eye. We end with the boxer looking into the camera. A baby in each arm. Both babies looking perfect, like dolls. Yeah, perfect mini dolls. The boxer talks straight to camera. And you shall know my name is the baby maker when I lay my makeup upon thee. Oh, that's perfect. When can we start? Tomorrow. We'll need a couple of stunt babies, a dozen baguettes and lots and lots of earplugs. Right. I'll phone the nursery. Did you know, Mr B, that there is a certain type of jellyfish that is deemed immortal? Perhaps because the podcast is called Jelly Trumpet and now thinks it's immortal, it's become self-aware and is reinventing itself? Well, I mean, that's science, isn't it? Yes, Jim, science. Read a lot of science, do you? Well, just mind-blowing facts on, uh, on Facebook. Ken? Cannon fire! What? Who's firing at who? Oh, is it pirates? I love pirates. 
They ran their ships as cooperatives, you know. I am thinking that the radio could help. I'd like to meet Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. They were pirates. Interesting. We could call C-Mac on the radio. Oh, what is it, Mr Jim? That sound isn't cannon fire. Oh. C-Mac can break down the door. Facile. Look, up there. That's a volcano, Jim. Is it? So it's not a heavy smoker with a really bad cough? No, it's a volcano. What were you saying, Your Majesty? C-Mac, run audio. List of the week! This week, things I think about to help me fall asleep. Number one, name all the Formula One drivers by team. Number two, consider the bad choices I've eaten today. Number three, wonder why I'm single. Number four, list my favourite films by category. Number five, imagine wearing a kilt in a high wind. Number six, exactly why am I still single. Number seven, what does the lyric bite your own neck mean? Number eight, if I had a million pounds, would I spend it all on chocolate? Number nine, could I bite my own neck? Number ten, Piers Morgan, could he be converted into a ship's anchor? Number eleven, is the world being fought for on an invisible battlefield? Mr B, Her Majesty has an idea. Oh, do tell. Yes, before we get covered in volcanic lava... Your Majesty? Your Majesty? Michel! Mr B, the Queen thought you could call C-Mac to come here and break the door down. That's a brilliant idea. It is. And can I press my new orange button? Well, OK, but not until we are safe. C-Mac, this is what I want you to do. There. There, Your Majesty. Ways of seeing! Here's something like a meditation. Take your favourite song, or two or three, read the lyrics out loud. Now, draw the song in pictures. Doesn't have to be high art. You're taking the imagery created by a lyricist and making pictures. So you want 10 to 20 pictures. Now, write a story or another song, a play, a short movie, whatever appeals, using each picture as the starting point for each scene or chapter. Jim's work offer. A man walks into his own head. Inside, he finds two people, each with an opposing view of his life. In fact, it's two different forms of control. That was the short play I wrote for a festival many years ago, called Dream Drill. Now, it's a fun piece, only needs three characters. Email me, jelly at jellytrumpet.com, if you would like to have a read. I'd like to rewrite it, as it was the very first piece I had put on stage. Join us in further episodes and... Be more creative. Pick up tips and tricks you can put in the play instantly. Try exercises to boost your imagination. Listen to creative guests. And a whole lot of what we call fun. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or ideas for Jelly Trumpet, email us. Jelly at jellytrumpet.com That was close. Yes, we outran lots of things in this episode. Not your past, though, eh, Jim? Uh, Well, it's disappearing further into the distance. Recap, please, Mr B. Well, we outran a stream of lava. Check. Hurrah! We outran a murderous tall girl dressed in red brandishing an axe. Check. Hurrah! We outran the imagination of a pirate and his lobster called Louie.
check. Well, bit of an anticlimax, that, Mr. B. Oui, no need to mention the stuffed les jouets d'enfants. Eh? Pooh, Eeyore and Tigger. Outrunning a volcano was cool, though. Yes, it was. We didn't outrun Pooh and the gang. What? They're in the cupboard. Why? They're cute. Oh, very well. Is it time to press the orange button? No. Next episode, perhaps. You promised! Very well. Where to next? Just to be different. Why not St Albans? Aye, aye. For all mankind! Thank you for listening. Thank you for all those that encouraged Jelly Trumpet. Thank you to Mr Tony for the voice work. Thank you to Miss Claire, the voice of Queen Eleanor and Mary the Entrepreneur. And thank you, Mr B and Kel. Stay fab. That was Jelly Trumpet, making you more creative with Jim Kinlock and Mr B. Sponsored by Conversion Detectives, the creative digital marketing agency. Search Conversion Detectives.